Dear listeners, what you're about to hear is two grown men who love musicals ramble on about musicals and a particular musical for a very, very long time. Enjoy because this will be pure gold. Thank you for listening. How many times have we done this? This is the... I don't know. You have it in front of you. Is this 30-some? Well, this is our... 38th episode. Okay. But how many times have we done what we're doing at this moment? Just once. Steven and I are in the same room looking at each other. He actually cannot yes. look at me for more than a second. No, no, no. Not going to do it. <laughs> not going to do it. Okay, but Nate, we're talking about a big movie today. Whoo! The Greatest Showman. I think this, this, we've used this term several times, but a cultural zeitgeist. Mm. This might be probably the biggest in recent years. Mm. And so we're going to talk about The Greatest Showman. I would like to hear, I have a, a couple points before we dive into the movie. A couple disclaimers. Okay, I have a couple questions. So you do okay. your disclaimers, I'll do my questions. Three, three disclaimers and one statement. I love Hugh Jackman and pretty much everything he does. Perfect. I love musicals, which we're going to get to in our top five. Obviously. And too many churches did The Greatest Showman as a sermon series. <laughs> <laughs> so those are my three disclaimers because when a movie comes out that's culturally fun but also pg right it just you have to be used as a sermon illustration Uh, but my last statement my first exposure to this movie was an amazon package i order from amazon frequently and i received a package and it was wrapped like the the packing tape the usual amazon branded packing Mm -hmm. tape was greatest showman branded and all it said was The Greatest Showman, and it had Hugh Jackman, like his name. And Re- repeating every eight inches <laughs> down the tape? It was, or maybe maybe it was not the, I don't know how they did it, but there was one Hugh Jackman. You just saw his back and his name next to him, Hugh Jackman, and the title The Greatest Showman. No context. I had not heard of it or knew what was coming. Okay. And so that was my, my first exposure to it was this Amazon package packing tape, and I immediately didn't want to like it. I was like, I don't oh. like this form of advertising. I don't like seeing... See, I was about to say that is brilliant marketing. The fact yeah, that like... Yeah. Why doesn't Amazon just load up those boxes <laughs> we get with like... They make it look Amazon. like a stick, you know, like a, a roadie's Put sticker. Put Dwayne The Rock Johnson on the, yeah. <laughs> hanging off of a building. Absolutely. But that was... I didn't even know it was a movie coming out. I didn't know if it was like a Broadway musical. I had no okay. idea. So that was my first exposure to it. I believe, okay, my question is exactly how did you first experience this movie? But uh, right. so my, my question, that my follow-up question is, so you got the tape. What, <laughs> did you go watch it in theaters? I did late. I, I watched it Because in you work in a place where everyone else had already seen it a couple times and I, said, you must go? Yes, and I, and I have a thing where if something is so big mm-hmm. amongst culture and stuff mm-hmm. that I don't want to be a part of it for a while. Oh. I feel like I feel like it's too What was your James Cameron Avatar experience? Did you see that early on? Cuz that was like a this is breaking world records. I I saw And I it. wanted to be part of it right away. That's the difference between me and you. I want to right. like jump in <laughs> and be in like the middle of the groundswell and you're like no no. There are some there are some things that I do that I want to do that about. Like the Star Wars movies I want to see in the theaters okay. early on. Weird things like X-Men movies. <laughs> I want to see when, as soon as they're sure. out. Uh, and other things outside of movies. Like I do want to be up on it. Like new social media networks that are doomed to fail. 
like a sure. orca. Or Did you or, climb on the vine? Just a quick question. Oh for yeah, you. I was on the vine. I was on vine. Were you were you periscoping? Oh yeah, periscope too. Yeah, and that's oh, the man. technology. I wish we thing. could. I wish we could retrieve those from you, <laughs> from the internet. My wife and I did a couple vines of us whistling in harmony, and they were really good. And I wish I could go back and find them. <laughs> you can brag about them all you want because we can never go back and review never, the tapes. No, no. I, I saw it in theaters, and it was probably like me. It was so late in theaters; it was maybe like six other people in the okay. theater. Did you go by yourself? My wife and I went. No, okay. we, we both saw it. And after seeing it in theaters, I was glad I saw it in a theater because I now rewatched it at home. And I do feel like it was a great theater experience compared to home experience. And um, I was glad I did. So. I believe, I, I think my brother loved this movie. Mm-hmm. He saw it early on and he recommended it to me. I believe maybe he might have even seen it twice in the theaters. I believe it. Before, yeah, maybe like in the, in the first week. Yeah. So I think I was traveling for work and I may have gone to it by myself. And I liked it so much that I came home, said to my wife, you and I are about to go to the movies together. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. And we're going to see it together. And then you went. And then I, yeah. And then I, so I've seen it twice in theaters and I think I've seen it twice. At home. At home on a streaming service. Right, right, right. Just real quick before we get into our stuff. Did your wife enjoy it? This is a, this is. It's, <laughs> is this too personal? No, no. This is a great question because when we, f- I'm going to pause for a second. While we were in the theaters, I might have been that guy that kept looking over to see what her reaction was right. to different things, right. which is not the way to go. You had to play it cool. <laughs> she um, grimacing. I think it was a slow burn for her. I think yeah. it was kind of like meh for her at the beginning. Right. Uh, but the, I think we streamed it a couple weeks ago. It was the, the latest time that I had seen it. Right. And um, I think she likes it a lot more now. Or maybe just like Zac Efron a lot more now. Mm. One of the two. Did you guys see Baywatch? No, we did not. <laughs> I've not seen that. We either. did not. I don't. That's one Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie. I'm not sure if. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should. I know see that it. Zac Efron has like an eight pack in that in that movie. <laughs> so well, let's go to it. So I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes, and this was interesting. Fifty five critic score. Okay. Lower than I thought, but. Upon rewatching, I kind of understand. Uh huh. Eighty-seven. Yep. Audience <laughs> satisfaction, which even that I was thought might be a little under because I had never heard someone say an ill word about this movie. This movie, I remember reading the reviews. I'm an avid reader of reviews. Yes. I read it before I even heard about if it was any good because I just wanted to see what it was about, and I read those mixed reviews, and then like a flood of. Like, this movie's great came into right, me. I was right. like, okay, well, I, I guess, guess I'm great. against the the critics. And again, this is, I, my review is, might be slightly skewed because I love Hugh Jackman mm. and musicals, but let's get into it. Good. I will be, I will be fair and impartial in this review. I just want to yes. let you know that I, it's all business now. Okay. I love the opening. I love the, the opening is. All right. Impartiality is gone. <laughs> Partiality's back. I remember in theaters the very first. (laughs) And it's like just completely black and it explodes into that title screen. Yes. That scene in theaters. Now, 
I always want it to hit me the same when I watch it at home. It doesn't. Last, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. And I, I saw it in theaters and I loved it. And I would listen to the soundtrack in the car and I felt it a little bit there too. Okay. Because you just, something's different like when you're just watching it at home. And I mean, I had a nice sound system, but it's still not, it's not the same. It's, See, I don't. So <laughs> I think. <laughs> Were you watching it on your iPhone? <laughs> yes. So yeah, we are I two seconds it. into this movie. Yes. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, I love the shot of the light through the bleachers and all of that opening thing. Like, yeah, I just love it. One of the critic reviews that I saw was there's a beautiful story about Hugh Jackman and his family here that I, upon rewatching the beginning, I think does a, a wonderful job telling the story and all the scenes with him and his wife when he, he is a kid. And you can clearly see that, you know, they don't have money and his shoe mm-hmm. is busted, but he sees the, the costume in the store window and the interaction with, you know, the girl as a child, like right. all of those things in the first song. And her father, who never ages in this movie. That <laughs> is, is true. Age. Yeah, he's the same. I feel like I, I love all those, that portion of the movie where it's telling the story about this rags to riches kind of deal. Uh, but more, a lot of rags, like he marries the girl. And they have children and he's working these, you know, terrible jobs. And there was this one scene where he's working in this office or whatever. I don't know what you would call it, but all these men are at desks. And he looks out the window at another building and you see all these men in windows working at desks. And then it pans to a graveyard. Yes. Immediately after. And I said. Like an M.C. Escher (laughs) painting that he sees out there. And I thought it was a little heavy handed, but also like I. I appreciate it. This movie is unapologetically heavy handed. <laughs> True. It is like everything that it like just, oh, you want seconds of this, of the mashed potatoes of, of <laughs> the fluff on this. Yeah. But I, I feel like it's good storytelling though. And like the, the one scene that I stand by is when he gets fired and he's on the rooftop now and he has his two young daughters and his wife mm-hmm. and his wife who came from the rich family is constantly saying, I don't care about not having money. Right. I just want you, and I believe her. Right. And you see his struggle that he promised her this life of riches and he's not providing it. But then there's this moment where one of the girls jokes about her, it's being her birthday. And like, Mm -hmm. what did you get me? And Hugh Jackman, I don't want to start crying now, but he does this amazing thing where he tells a story and builds this contraption out of this box of spare parts. And he calls it his, you know, wish machine. Right. And it's this candle with the things. And like, I cried every time I saw it. Like, and the girl sings, you know, they, they yeah. sing the re- reprise to A Million, a million Dreams. Dreams. Yes, like that, that was incredible. I loved that moment. A million dreams for the world we're going to make. Okay, here's, I'm going to give a, up to this point in the movie, I'm going to give a little bit of a, a slightly balanced take here. I remember seeing the first time with when, Hugh Jackman is a little kid with the girl. Right. The kind of the auto-tuneness or the the singing voice of yeah. the the little kids are not yeah. my favorites. Yeah, fair. And also the ages are a little bit weird in this movie. The fact that like <laughs> full-grown Hugh Jackman comes back and I go like are you supposed to be like a 20-year-old guy here? Cuz you guys both seem like 42 right. this whole movie. Right. Uh I, but again I shouldn't worry about that. <laughs> the scene of them dancing on the rooftop with the giant moon yeah. yes. during that million dreams, also amazing. Yes. And if you notice while they're dancing, the the sheets are moving yes. in sync. In sync they're with their with dance moves. Yes. Yeah. It's all the feels. Like it's that's a great I yeah. and 
it really captures like a type of magic magical innocence right. that i think i think this movie in general found that part of you that just kind of craves uh, a a very i don't know how to say it, like a, a pg-esque uh rags to riches story it's right. it's right. not trying to be too dark and gritty it has some sad right. moments it has some like real issues that it deals with that you just have to sing a poppy song afterwards yeah it's it's fluff it's all fluff but it's the joy of eating cotton candy (laughs) fluff (laughs) but i just i argue that it it i think it turns to fluff too quickly because i do think the first half was was not as much fluff as it seems like the whole when he when hugh jackman walks up to that mansion and his soon-to-be bride like walks past her dad and her dad's like, she'll be back. Like that ominous foreshadowing. Like I felt like I felt all that. Like I felt all that. Okay. Well, I was going to say that it was fluffier in the middle and deeper. Like there was some deeper stuff at the end, but we'll, we'll get, we'll get to, that. to that. We'll get yeah, to the yeah, end. Yeah, Cause, we'll cause upon rewatching, like I'd also like different. to, okay. So just going through, cause I like sort of how we're moving chronologically a little bit. Yeah. Just as far as songs, yes. you, if you have the soundtrack on in your car. What yes. we've heard so far, that opening number, Million yeah. Dreams. Which I always skip. I just do. You skip Million Dreams? <laughs> I skip Million Dreams. I love the song and watching it, I enjoy hearing the song while watching the scenes. I don't care to, to hear it on its own. See, I like, once, you, once Hugh Jackman comes in for the first time, I think uh, <laughs> we're going to go real quick into Enneagram because I know you know what oh, this is. Yeah, Sometimes absolutely. our listeners do too. I'm a seven. The Enthusiast oh. in Enneagrams. <laughs> this movie is basically built for me because I believe that <laughs> Hugh Jackman's character is like a seven to a fault. And the fact uh-huh. that like he, you know, he's got those dreams of the future and it's right. keeping him awake and he sees, you know, colors and lights. And we go to the from now on at the end. Yeah. The, yeah. It is a, to me, that might as well like, be a soundtrack to different parts of my life. And so I really internalized a lot of these songs. So I don't skip million dreams because of that. Okay. Very good. I have to look up that Enneagram again. Yeah. yeah. I I have a, you gotta, I work with a lot of people and friends that are lower numbers. (laughs) And so I don't have a lot of experience with seven. I'm a three, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the heartless one. Um, so, so Hugh Jackman loses his job takes his shipping manifests that he stole from the company. <laughs> and I love the scene with the bank where he totally conmans it. Yep. And you know, gets the loan to buy the building. The bank is going to need substantial collateral. Well, of course, I, uh, I wouldn't suggest otherwise. The deed entitled to my entire flotilla of trading vessels. I think it's hilarious that he hires the thief to uh, manage his ticket sales. <laughs> An underrated part in this is that pickpocket guy. <laughs> he does a great job. Like I don't think he's in it after like the forty minute mark, except like maybe one scene of yeah him well, taking someone's ticket. Yeah, so like, uh, he says he tells the wife like, "Just let me know, I'll get you something real nice." <laughs> <laughs> he's he's funny. He's a funny one. They try to sell tickets as a, to the wax museum, and that doesn't fly. And then his daughters tell him, "You need live people." And so he goes on the quest to find all the freaks, as they say in the movie, right. all, the, all the, the weirdos. Okay, so now let's, let's pause here Yes, and let's head out the door called Problematic History. <laughs> okay. P.T. Barnum, like the actual story, yes. is, like he's not that great. I think we've seen like those videos about like he's actually like not a great guy. He really right. was just like using people for monetarily. 
Yeah. Greatest Showman poses a world where he really is like, it's so heavy handed with everything else. Yeah, yeah. But his actually like, I'm going to put you on stage and I want people to kind of laugh and gawk and stare is sort of brushed under the carpet as like a, no, I'm just letting you like have a place to be you. And it really focuses right. on like the uh, diversity of everyone and less about the fact that like, hey, this guy's making probably more money than you off of your particular <laughs> right. look or skill. And there's, there's a scene where the first person he recruits is the, I don't know the term for it, but the dwarf. Little person. The little person, excuse me. But he goes to the house. At first, you know, the guy says, I don't want them to laugh at me. And he says, they're laughing at you anyway. Might as well make a dollar. Right. And it's this like, okay, that maybe that's the heart of P.T. Barnum. I'm not sure. But when he closes the door, he pulls again like the the mind trick because he sees all the little Right. It's not the genuine. <laughs> He's He really does kind of con him into Yeah, but you coming. believe it because Hugh Jackman's like, we're going to put you on a steed and in the best uniform that you'll ever wear and you'll have a saber. And like he inspires him in the moment and it's like – I want to believe that's Hugh Jackman's like altruistic side of motivating him to do this. Right. But, <laughs> but really it's, know. well, and I think the fact that like he does say it a lot of times, like people want to be fooled. People want to like, he's putting on a con as much as he is putting on a, a show of, right. Of people, which I always thought that was an interesting way that people talked about his show. They always said like, you don't, you're not doing something real. Like you're a con man. Right. And I was more like his show, like these people are for the most part, just being themselves. And they're like dancing and singing. It must be that it's not opera or something classical. Well, he, he did. He put the one guy on stilts. He put the pillow in the like yeah, the 500 guy, pound, yeah. pound guys. <laughs> yeah. Belly. That's true. That is true. Yeah. But, and then he has other parts where like, he uh, hires the African American brother and sister, right. and that's like a like you mix that in with like the Wolfman, and this is like right. a oh this is great he is actually including these talented people right. that you know the the minorities the, yeah the the racism at the time would right, have seen right. these oh they're freaks because right. they're different and color skin. The one that he recruits that again feels super genuine is is the. The lady, You're the, right. the, bearded the bearded lady, lady, who sings "This Is Me," and you know he hears her voice. It's you, isn't it, sir? I have to ask you to leave. You are so talented, blessed, extraordinary. And again, you could think like he is strictly wanting to use her skill for his show. Not just her skill, the fact that she has a beard. The fact like, she has a beard. It, and she's not just well. a singer. That right, but when he sees her finally. Like he tells her, like you're beautiful and you're amazing. Like, I want to believe that he believes that. But are we supposed to believe his character that he actually thinks that, or is only because I, you know the end of the movie? Also, I want to say in this movie, let alone the actual P.T. Barnum, whoever right. he was, I feel like Hugh Jackman in this movie, his character, that is like the core of him, and he just gets distracted by. He wants fame. to make the money, the fame, and and he also wants to be seen as high class. All the shine in a thousand spotlights. <laughs> All the stars he steals from the night sky will never, never be enough. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so we find success in the sideshow style circus. Right. Despite people picketing and protesting and all that. that we get the song Come Alive. Come Alive, Come Alive, Going Right Your Light. Come Alive, which that, I enjoy that song. It's the, a bit of a mixed bag for me. <laughs> I, I'll skip it half the time. 
Agreed. Agreed. There's two There's two songs that I go to regularly. That I'll is, tell you, the, when we get to the other one, I'll tell you exactly yeah, okay, which okay. one I skip. <laughs> okay. So finally, 100% of the time. <laughs> he finds success, but he wants to be seen as legitimate from the, the upper echelon of people. Right. And so he finds Zac Efron, who is the exact opposite, who kind of hates his life, but also loves the fact that he's in this upper echelon and he gets to do that. Mm-hmm. And so he'll just settle for being dead inside while drinking champagne with these people. Mm-hmm. And he convinces him to join him as a partner in figuring out how to upper class his show. And there's that song from the other side. To the other side? To the other side. The other, uh, Beyond the other side. I'm to be honest, this is one of my least favorite songs. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. See, I really like this song. <laughs> I love the scene. I love the scene, them interacting in the movie, listening to the song in the car. I could, I could do without it. Okay. That's, that's the distinction again. Right here, right now. I put the offer out. I don't want to chase you down. I know you see it. This is the one moment that while I was in the theater with my wife, when Zach Efron jumps up on the bar and starts yeah. like dancing down it. Yeah. yeah. She like audibly gave out a, like a Pillsbury, <laughs> just like delight, a childish delight. You know those like leans over and you're like, excuse me? Uh, excuse me i thought the bartender in that scene was hilarious too like he has these little like facial expressions i thought the choreography of that scene was fantastic 100 percent. maybe you're right maybe that carries like because i would much rather listen to it while watching it rather than just listening to it right that that's my feeling also difficult to sing along with gets a little high yes (laughs) very rhythmic but anyway so he convinces them to join him and we eventually get to this jenny lynn character Mm -hmm. they go to see the queen from Mission Impossible, from one of the Mission Impossibles. That's right. A Rogue Nation. Rogue Nation. That's right. The one you love. Yeah, I like, yes, I like Rogue The Nation. one Steven loves. I like Fallout too. Oh yeah, she's in there too. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we, yeah, we yeah, both love Fallout. Both. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Hey, if you haven't uh, seen, <laughs> heard our Fallout podcast episode. Right. It's our second highest downloaded episode uh, after Me Before You. Won't you uh, help us overtake <laughs> Me <Rent>? Before You? <laughs> that's right. Scientologists, come out. Anyway. So Jenny Lynn, the opera singer, meets him and meets her in front of the uh, Queen of England. Opera singer is in quotes. I hope you didn't. Well, I can see you. So you didn't use air quotes, and you said opera singer. Which, for some reason, again, watching it in theaters, you're kind of blinded by the lights, if you will. But upon rewatching, like they talk about her as an opera singer, and never enough is not opera. It is an American Idol <laughs> finale yeah. song. Yes, and it's not her singing, like you told me at one right. point. So, uh, by the way, the little person. That is yes. also not his voice. That is a different actor's voice giving. Interesting. Doing that. So just so we're I did not clear know on whose yet. voice. I think everyone else's voice was there. theirs. Right, right. Uh, well, that's interesting. So he convinces Jenny Lynn to join the troupe. Well, not really join the troupe. Again, this is the distinction. Right. He's doing an, a, like a second show of her singing. Mm-hmm. And there's the scene, the first show she does in New York, you know, in this packed theater you know, very operatic theater or whatever. And there's a scene where Zac Efron goes to Hugh Jackman. He's like, you know, everybody's here. Where should I put them? Meaning the bearded lady and all the, right. the, the, those characters. And Hugh Jackman's like, uh, uh. Zac Efron's like, should I put him in the box? And Hugh Jackman says, no, it's too visible. Right. And so I was like, oh. He kind of hides them away. Here it is. <laughs> here it is. And he says, put him in the back. The acoustics are better there, which, you know, whatever. Uh, but he relegates them to the side. Right. And th- we see this push and pull now of Hugh Jackman has gotten his money from these people, seemingly right. used them. Right. Now has Jenny Lynn and wants to 
now just go after that upper echelon. Now, there is a, a camera shot that is fantastic during the Jenny Lynn song, mm-hmm. Never Enough, which I think good song. I, yes, I, I enjoyed think that I song. enjoyed it. I could yes. listen to that. And besides, I mean, the scene itself is just her standing there on stage. So it, right. She does I don't a really good job just it. being like her. She does a great job lip syncing it. Yeah. Um, but the scene of Michelle Williams, who plays his wife, looking at him while he looks at Jenny yes. Lynn. Yes. And you think when you watch this movie for the first time, I remember this thought of, oh, no, this is going to be the start of an affair. Right. But what you see in later on, spoilers for those who haven't seen this movie. <laughs> He is more enamored with the clout that she's able to bring him. And he has the starry eyes of this is my ticket. And like she is fantastically talented and she will help elevate me. And he's more blinded by the spotlights rather than like in love with her. But you see his wife look at him and look at her and go, oh, no, it's a big moment. Oh, no, he's falling for maybe her or maybe this. Right. And immediately after that scene, they have the after party where his wife's parents show up and he kind of disgraces them, Mm -hmm. gets to throw it back in their face that he has made it. Which is ultimately hollow in life. (laughs) And then the troop comes and wants to join the party. Mm -hmm. And Hugh Jackman stops him at the door and Mm -hmm. says, oh, you have curtain in an hour. Have at least three drinks. Right? Come on. No, no, no. no. Letty. What? It's very crowded in here, okay? And I can't have you mingling. Guys. Who's going to pay admission if you're out there for all the world to see? Okay, have a great show. And right. we see the clear ashamedness that he has for the people that brought him to this level of success. And he turns them away in favor of the highbrow class. And this is where we have the big song, This Is Me, from The Bearded Lady. What is The Bearded Lady's name? Oh, I'm man. looking through the cast. I'm <laughs> frantically scrolling through. Keela Settle? Keela Settle? uh, Kayla Settle. I don't don't, know. I don't know how to say it. Um, Okay, so this is like the the grand song or one of the like high powered anthems of it. I think as far as a, it's got pop fluffiness to it. From like the lyrics aren't really there's not much substance there, but it's enough to I feel like give you like that boost of all right. You if you wanted to like put it in your here's how I judge an anthem. If I can put it in my earbuds walk onto a treadmill and feel like I'm about to just jog this mile better than I ever have before. I find it a success. And that's, but this song, maybe it's been overplayed. It's kind of declined in my mind a little bit. I agree. I think the words of the song and the title spoke a lot to the current state of culture. Mm. A lot of people can take it on as a personal anthem. Maybe the first time they had a song that they felt could be theirs. And so I think that creates a lot of groundswell for people gravitating towards the song. And in the, in the context of the movie, it makes a lot of sense and is a powerful moment. Like there's a part of the song where towards the end, it drops down and they're back in the ring. They're right. doing the performance and they go into the slow motion. Oh, and they're all up in the yes, air. Yeah, they're all up in the air floating. Yeah. And, and the bearded lady sings half crying those few lines. And, and that is a powerful moment. I'm gonna send a blood, gonna drown a This is brave. This is bruised. This is who I'm meant to be. This is me. 
like and you hear it and I'm i might like, have to redact my last statement because no, 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 the more i'm thinking about the lyrics of like these bullets uh, you know let them hit me sort of yeah. thing like i another round of bullet hits my skin fire right. away again like the, like the words are really good I, there was also I won't let the shame creep in right is that something like that something. yeah there was also a youtube video of a rehearsal did you I see watched, that yeah i watched that. i watched it absolutely I and i know like watching you know I, hugh jackman's crying and that jackman's crying like the the cast in the background of that video and i'll put this video in show notes like it's worth seeing but the cast in the background are so enthusiastic about her singing it you're right and there's such an emotional like ah i did yes i want her to kill the song like there's so much around the song right. that it it brings it to a higher level i think than maybe it would standing on its own by someone else in another context all that being said i think it's a good song i think she performs it really well there's a couple musical things in this movie and in that song that get me every time there's like this i don't know how else to describe it like a zipper sound or it's like a i don't know if it's a it's a like it does that right before the big chorus More like the drop, basically. Yes, the, yes, okay. and that's it. Gets me every time. Every time I hear it, I'm like, yeah, yes. <laughs> Just like in the opening number, there is a bass riff that I will insert it. <laughs> so you know exactly what yep, I'm talking about. I think I know that bass. You know, riff, there are some some at the very beginning of that song. There are some like lion, uh, tiger yes, growls. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> like, I'm all for deep it. Deep down in there. But the bass riff in that song, like that alone, gets me every time. Like okay. I will. I, so there's a couple of things, and and the this is me song. I, it, there are parts of it that that get me. I think I'm maybe I was actually seeing that YouTube clip of her practicing that song. Yes, yes. I think I may have actually that may have hurt the movie version for me because I feel right. like it felt very powerful of her as an actress. Yeah. Versus who she's playing in this movie maybe right and i saw it the opposite way i saw the movie first and then i saw that youtube clip with the rehearsals so Got it. you're saying right you saw the rehearsal clip yeah, first yeah, i think so right so i think in the in the context of the movie it's a powerful moment and it, it helps establish the rest of what's going on a uh, quick pause here have you heard the uh reimagined soundtrack for greatest showman yes i have yes. okay yes oh, and your overall thoughts on that Honestly, most of the songs I prefer the original. Okay, um, I I get it. Like the "This Is Me" remix, I don't care for. That's the one with Missy Elliott, right? I think so. But there's, I believe, there's some kind of rap. Yes, I beginning. think Missy Elliott doing like a rap break in there. Yeah, I you didn't like that. I'm not oh, not about it. Okay, okay. Again, this is a part of. My I did mu- it for me. I did it for me. <laughs> part of my musical taste. I rap. If I could have favorite. a rap break in every like a really? remix with a rap oh man really oh yeah some sometimes sometimes it does it for me i feel like this that particular rap in the remix didn't feel super strong maybe okay and again like that song is such a big anthem song i feel like you're gonna do a rap in the middle of it, it needs to be really like okay equally powerful but anyway I'm, the other song on that album i would say i would recommend is the uh from now on zach brown band version yeah that is that's a, a pretty fun one too but you're right most of the other ones it's kind of like yeah, this is good but the original is, the original yeah, stand, this okay back to the movie yeah, thanks for listening to- folks <laughs> and so after that 
song. We follow Jenny Lynn and Hugh Jackman. They leave to go on tour to the dismay of his wife and girls. And there's a moment when Jenny Lynn wants to have an affair with Mm -hmm. him, making it sound like that's the whole point. Like she thought they were on the same page. Yeah, that's the message he was sending. Right. And Hugh Jackman does not, (laughs) to his credit, I think, entertain it. And he says he's going to leave the tour or whatever. Because you're really worried up to this point. Like, oh, no. Yeah, it's really going that way. It looks like, you know. But he resists. And in her final performance, though, he comes on stage to bow with her. And she sneaks a kiss, which makes all the newspapers. (laughs) Right. The the flash photography goes off at that point. And then we see like a carved lithograph of them like on the paper. (laughs) Yes. Uh, very convenient. Yes, News at 11. Which, I, I want to take this moment because I forgot to mention him before, but the critic mm-hmm. that continues to return and write stuff about him, I really liked the critic. And there's, Hugh Jackman has this one line. He uh, When they're talking at the party, the critic is saying some mean things again, and Hugh Jackman says, you know, you really are better on paper. Right. <laughs> that's, right. A, that's a great line. But Hugh Jackman returns then. But not before... We get a song called Tightrope. Oh, that's right. That's right. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out on this song. Uh, okay. Uh, we've been a little mushy, glowy, glowy about this movie. Yeah. I think Michelle Williams, who plays his wife. Right. Great actress. Great right. voice. Yes. I thought they didn't give her much. There wasn't much to her character at all. He was so like, right. he had these things and she was just kind of the doting like, I just want to be with you and the girls and I don't really care about money, which is a powerful sentiment compared to his like fame seeking spotlight stuff. But like as a human, she didn't really have a whole lot. Like she was kind of just, yeah, she does have a couple good lines. Like she's talking to Hugh Jackman before he leaves and she says, you don't need everyone to love you. Just a few good people. Mm. I thought that was a good line. She's the she's the moral like high ground, I guess. And, the compass. And she's yeah, like, this, she, this she's is, the compass, she's and the- like he literally looks to her in a picture of like I've been doing this all for you guys, and I've lost my my way, and I yeah, need to yeah. point myself yeah. back towards you. This, they also have a conversation, and Hugh Jackman says it's not about me, and she says, "Oh, it's different than everything else." Right. <laughs> I was like, "Oh man, she's a." Uh, I just I, maybe too. I just. The tightrope song is kind of her wistfully thinking about the like what they used to have and how like if right. only you would you know I've just been I've been up here with you and you haven't really thought that I've been on this ride with you even though I and there was a couple cool moments in that song where she thinks she's dancing and right. her partner like whisks away as a shadow. I think I just wanted a little bit more. It could have been a powerful moment and it wasn't. I wanted a little, yeah, especially because the bearded lady has such these powerful anthems, right? And she, she kind of just is. Yeah, it has that wistful, like, oh, I w- wish our lives would be different. Yeah. And I wish there would have been a more... I didn't need her to be someone she wasn't. I just right. wanted a different angle to her character. Yeah, and that, that song ends with her, like, follow lying, which, as I have stated before, <laughs> I do not like filler syllables in uh, songs. But anyway. With you, oh, 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 oh. Romance Corner. Mm-hmm. Zach Efron and Oh, rewrite the stars and Zendaya. Rewrite Zendaya, rewrite the stars. And so their relationship is complicated by the racial difference. Mm-hmm. They have a encounter where his parents you know run into them and his parents like, you know, you've forgotten who you are. Like, to me, are that was a wonderful deep 
point yes. that they touched on, especially uh, the part where they're holding hands yes. and he sees a, a white couple look at them and yes. he like releases her hand and right. she kind of does like a, I what, what just happened? Like I right. see what's going on here. Yeah. The Rewrite the Stars, I enjoy that song. What if we rewrite the stars? Say you were made to be mine. That song is great. There is one part of that song. I just, do you remember the part where she's swinging on the ropes and he climbs up on the balcony and jumps and collides with her in midair? Yeah. I laugh every time I see him just sandbag her out of the sky and think, in real life, you just yeah. knocked the wind out of her. Uh, yeah. She still- is a little. <laughs> A little yeah. person, yeah, yeah, she's yeah, she's not the rock, definitely, right. Uh, there were there's some cool choreography in that. That song. is that is fun. It is a fun song to watch and hear, and I enjoy it. And there's, I, I there's like some behind the scenes of them practicing that and like the uh, the spinning together, the spinning things. and that's pretty fun too. It's it's a good song. We see Hugh Jackman return. Okay, but sorry, Romance Corner. Oh yeah, Romance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Romance what do you think Corner. about their relationship? I think it's great. I think, and you believe it. I believe that yes. more than Hugh Jackman and his wife, actually. And I think they're like, if you had to say which one you think is like, I don't know, maybe I just, there are sparks with Zac Efron and Zendaya and the, and her crying over him after the fire. Right. And right. where right. he's hurt, but uh, he's injured, but obviously not injured enough to make him look ugly. <laughs> which is what movies do to right, right. men who come out of fires. It's a little singy and smoky, <laughs> and a, a little soot everywhere. I yeah. think they're overcoming and basically having the people actually don't want us to be together is more powerful right. than just yeah. like, oh, you were a poor kid and now you're rich and my dad doesn't want us to be together. Because she, yeah. she never really minds that her dad doesn't. Michelle Williams never like really cares that her dad oh, like, right, right, looks right. at Hugh Jackman right. as like a, a poor kid who got she explicitly rich. tells him like I don't care <laughs> like that's not what I wanted I do I think agree that Zendaya and Zac Efron's relationship beginning to end is better overall I think the rooftop scene at the beginning with Hugh Jackman and his wife mm-hmm. is a stronger mm-hmm. scene but it doesn't stay that strong throughout right. And even up to until like the forgiveness scene at the end on the beach feels very quick where Hugh Jackman like, you know, repents and like his wife just takes him back immediately. That doesn't feel as strong as the rooftop scene. Right. Or Zac Efron and Zendaya. The rooftop scene seemed like the peak of me believing in their right. like them togetherness. Which is an early peak. It's a very early <laughs> peak. A lot of movie after that. But I think after that point, the movie uh, says, hey, we did the legwork. We built for you a a marriage right that you're just supposed to like believe from then on that's like something very important to him and to her right and they never they never they they coast on that for the rest of the movie and then we turn to zach efron and zendaya and say now's the romance you need to care about (laughs) right this other one's fine but it's needs to be a bedrock so he loses the theater burns down Mm -hmm. and his wife also leaves because of the headlines and all that and and their house got uh, repossessed. By repossessed. The bank. <laughs> yes. So it loses he loses everything. I'm going home because this isn't our home anymore. From this, from the moment when he returns back and the theater is on fire to the end, feels like a snowball that's going too fast. Mm-hmm. It just and again, I didn't feel it's in the theater. When I watched it in the theater, it felt like from now on was a strong enough song and all the visuals like it carried it. 
But upon rewatching at home, it's like, man, we are together on this. I feel, yes. I feel cheated. I felt cheated from that moment on. Because at, at the beginning of From Now On, everyone, the bearded lady and the whole crew has basically he put him on a curb for a while and basically right. said like you're like i'm i'm using you right they come into the bar he's like downtrodden Sulking. Yeah. yeah and instead of being like hey man you've been dumb and you've like <laughs> treated us as commodities they instead they're like well them's the breaks <laughs> and they go into that dance number there's right. not a whole lot of like him apologizing to them right right for treating them like I literally wrote down, he never said, I'm sorry. He didn't. He never says, I'm sorry, or I apologize. He says it. He starts uh, singing about how he got caught up in it all. From now on, these eyes will not be blinded by the light. And they're all like, build us a home again, please. (laughs) Build us a home, please, because we... Right, and he repents to his wife on the beach. Like, he at least says, I failed. Like, I did something. You warned me, and I messed up. But he never looked around to them and say, I'm so sorry right, that I right. treated you less than humans. Right. All, <laughs> all the feelings that I might be using you were actually true. I was. To a point. I did. <laughs> yeah. And to, like he never says like no I actually I actually do care about you. I'm you sorry, are actually my like uh, extended family to me. No, right. right, right. Like we're just meant to believe through the song that they're all like we're all a family. Right. Upon rewatching, that felt weird. And and the critic has this like exposition around that time too on the burnt theater, and it feels a little explainy at that point. Something the movie didn't have to do until that point, I think. And mm-hmm. now this critic is kind of like exposition, spewing exposition, very monotone like. <laughs> but yeah. it's glossed over by the fact that from now on, legitimately is a wonderful song. I love the song. Yeah, I do. I love the song. It's the one I try to sing along with, and it gets very high also. <laughs> but I can shout singing in the car with the best of them. <laughs> My voice <laughs> exactly. is cracked a few times, but I can definitely. It starts low. Right. And it goes high. Yeah, yeah. It gets a good, it's a good ramp up, yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I just feel the ending was quick. And, yeah, it's nice that Zac Efron was pocketing his 10%, and he can now fund it all again. The, and the, the literal baton pass yes. to Zac Efron is yes. a heartwarming moment yes. at the end where he says he goes to ride uh, what an is elephant. now an elephant, not included in circuses because the treatment of elephants. <laughs> True. But rides the elephant and goes watch his daughter's ballet recital while Zac Efron takes the lead yes. and does like a high school musical number, which Basically. is where, where Zac Efron is at his best. But there's also a moment during the finale where all the crew passes the hat. Like Hugh Jackman gives the hat and they all touch the Showing hat. teamwork. Yeah, and just like that they all had a hand in it and yep. you know, Zac Efron gets it. And it, the ending feels good. You Bunch know, of CGI it, animals. <laughs> But it's, it's a, the song, like it, it's uplifting. It feels nice. Sure. But yeah, I, I do feel overall the ending is a li- I feel a little cheated. A little cheated. The, the fact that Greatest Show plays at the beginning, Greatest Show plays at the end. Right. And the, the symmetry between him singing, it's everything I ever want, it's everything I ever need. Right. Back when the beginning of the movie, when he sings those lines, it takes him back to his childhood and he has like kind of an emptiness there. Right. The fact that he's watching his daughter. That's. Yeah. It's, it's book ended ended nicely. Yes. And so, but I think that nice bookend fools you a little bit 
to being critical mm-hmm. about those last 15 minutes where it's like, it could have, it could have been a five out of five movie. Well said. Greatest Showman is a movie. <laughs> Period. Go on. It is a movie that feels like it knows what we as moviegoers want from time to time. Yes. And I think it it really saw an an under an underserved genre right. and said like we can be that for you. We can be the, the the singing in the rain that you haven't seen in 30 years for the older generation. And right. we can also be like a well-done Disney original movie right. for the newer generation. It fills in all of those gaps in a way that makes you go like, I thought deeply. I wanted to cry. I have a soundtrack I can now listen to over and over again in the car yeah, yeah. with Hugh Jackman leading the way. It is... Right a surprising hit that is in one word a delight yeah i think you said it well let us rate this movie from zero to five ballet slippers Mm. because that is the one thing the daughter asked for that he could not give her on the rooftop i'll give you five dollars right now if you can name his daughter's names any of them i don't got it good because i didn't have five dollars on me (laughs) do you know that? i would have venmo no (laughs) (laughs) okay no no i don't but i knew the ballet helen and caroline i feel like i remember him saying caroline i knew people were going to start screaming at the at the (laughs) podcast but now now we come to the play who who uh, rates first (laughs) you do i do okay i'm going to rate the greatest showman four point two five ballet slippers I want to give it four and a half or more. Mm-hmm. And, you know, parts of the movie, I think, warrant a five out of five. Like, I keep going back to it, but that rooftop scene at the beginning, if the rest of the movie was that deep and well-written and Hugh Jack, like, Hugh Jackman's acting in that scene when he's telling the story, putting together that little contraption, is a five out of five mm-hmm. all day long. And I think it... It's just not there at other points. Mm-hmm. I think this movie is well worth watching. If you have not seen it yet, and you definitely enjoy musicals, and if you like Hugh Jackman, maybe not crazy about musicals, but you like Hugh Jackman, I think it's worth seeing. Uh, but I'm going to give it 4.25 ballet slippers. All right. What about you, Nate? I'm going to give it four and a half. Oh, okay. Higher. All right. I, I thought you were, might have given it the same as me when you were going four point. It's uh, close. Yeah. It's close. It's four and a half slippers for me. The, 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 right, the right one, I guess, is yeah. the half, not the whole pair. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's an overall enjoyable movie. I could see this being a movie that I watch every couple years. All right. Well, we're going to get to our top five, which I, I am ecstatic. We're doing... Nate and I's top five musical numbers from Broadway or movie musicals. The yes, songs. The songs. The top five songs. And the requirement is that Ooh. we announce each top five by singing the song. Small clips so that it's not no, forever no, no. Very long. short. Very short. Probably. Yep. Uh, you know, I just said that and looking at one of mine on my list, I have no idea how I'm going to do it. So anyway. Fantastic. <laughs> Honorable mentions. I have... Six. <laughs> Holy cow. Hold on a second. One, two, three, four. I have five. Honorable mentions? Yep. 
Okay, I don't think we need to sing the honorable. No, mentions. I think we just say them. We just say them. Uh, after you, why don't you go first? All right, Guys and Dolls, the song from Guys and Dolls. Gotcha. Okay. Um, wait for it from Hamilton. Okay. One note on Hamilton. Okay. I have never listened to the soundtrack mm. because I don't want to listen to it before seeing the show, mm. and I have to see the show. I have not seen it. So, and you've you've seen it. I've seen it in Chicago. It is fantastic top five like definitely a top five live show that i've ever seen okay all i ask of you phantom of the opera good very good beauty and the beast from beauty and the beast (laughs) okay very good and yes i prefer the angela lansbury (laughs) beauty and the beast that's the original right yeah that's cartoon that's canonical did you (laughs) my wife beauty and the beast was probably her favorite disney movie and I didn't remember the original super well, mm-hmm. but we watched the remake, mm-hmm. the you know the Emma Watson. One, Emma Watson. Every line that was different than the original, she would say, "That's not, that's, that's that's not, not right. right. That's not right." <laughs> I was like, "I can I watch anyway?" Well, if you want to hear a an exact listing of what is the best animated Disney movie at all times, I believe that maybe behind the paywall, uh, we can put up a my brother oh. and myself ranking the Disney animated movies yes. and debating passionately. So yes, we'll put that up. Yes, a little yes. interest for those who'd like to hear that. That's behind the, the Patreon. Patreon. That's beyond the Patreon. Very good. All right. Well, my honorable mentions, Sunrise, Sunset from Fiddler Ding. on the Roof. <laughs> That's the finger symbols. Okay. <laughs> That's yes. what I did there. This one's yep. a deep pull. There's a man quartet from the Secret Garden. I don't know if you ever heard of that. I know the secret. Mm, I know the secret garden play. My brother was in it. Why won't he say what he wants? Why must he speak in dreams? Why don't do this? Oh, is that the, that was one of the last? Don't wed him. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So there's a main. He should send this haunted. Girl yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Okay, okay. that one. I love that one. You can't stop the beat from Hairspray. Yep. I I just love that song. It takes two to make a thing go right. No, <laughs> it takes two and. This is kind of cheating, but it takes two and no one is alone from Into the Woods. Okay. Into the Woods does not have a huge anthem or big number, but those two songs I really enjoy. And the It Takes Two, The Baker and the Baker's Wife, it's a really nice moment okay. for the couple, so I enjoy that. And now I'm going to put one. I'm going to put one in my honorable mentions that is going to seem a little blasphemous. Okay. But I am putting Bring Him Home from Les Miserables in my honorable mentions. Okay. This is an amazing song. Incredible. And I feel like would totally ruin a top five because it is so good. And I love the song. I love the show. Why aren't you putting it in your top five? Something about, like, part of my top five is repeatability. Bring Him Home is a song that I don't want to listen to on repeat. Okay. I want to hear it performed exquisitely live and maybe once in a while watch the 25th anniversary performance of it. you want it like i want lobster bisque <laughs> okay not every night it's far too rich exactly right, right but done well yes. Yes. and not from a local and uh, not from an applebee's <laughs> a lobster bisque when i'm sitting in new hampshire exactly that's right okay and the side note i recently saw Les Miserables live at the Strass Center in Tampa. And the cast of this Les Mis is incredible. And Jean Valjean, played by Nick Cartel, I believe it is, he 
absolutely killed it. And it was just an amazing moment. And and that's how I want to experience it. Okay. And so that is why I'm not including my top five. So anyway, that was my last one. Wow. <laughs> we're going in on it this episode. We're gonna, we're gonna go in. Okay. We're very pedantic in our uh, <laughs> our musical. All right. Choice. So to our singing top five. Me Nate. first? Nate. Here we go. Start Number five. <clears throat> 525,600 minutes. Ooh, that's good. I'm not going any further. No, no, no. That's it. That's great. Seasons of Love from Seasons Rent. I've actually never seen Rent. <laughs> Me neither. But I love this song. I and, have, and I have performed that song at some concert in high school. Like I've, I know that right, song very well. Right. It's a great song. I wrote all of my top five on a paint stir stick. We, we, we can take a picture of yes, it later. Take a picture of. I missed a couple honorable mentions. I just need to say because okay, I okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, uh, ten minutes ago from Cinderella, Rogers and Hammerstein. Ten minutes ago. That's, mm-hmm. Yes, that's a great song. Yep. And uh, there was one more, Falling Slowly, from uh, the movie or from the musical Once. Oh, that's right. Yes, you were we talked about this me. before. <laughs> yeah, you had never, you had not heard it, but Falling Slowly is honorable mention. <clears throat> anyway, Seasons right. of Love is my number five. We're back to it. All right, my number five. <clears throat> My gift is my song, and this one's for you. The Ewan McGregor, your song from Moulin Rouge. I don't know. I love how he sings it. I love that song. That's a great pick. As a confession time, I knew that song a lot better than I knew Elton John's version. And when I heard Elton John singing, I thought, you're you're doing it wrong. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Same, same for me. I love the way Ewan McGregor sings that song. It's that wonderful. Good. Yeah. All right, you're number four. Number four. One day more. Another day, another destiny. On this never-ending road to Calvary. These men who seem to know my crimes surely come a second time. Yes. One day. So uh, one day more. I went the. That's the Act One finale, right? That is I didn't know if there were multiple ones. I want the one where they all come in. Do you hear the people sing? Yeah, do you hear the people sing is a few minutes before it in the show, which is another big song, but One Day More is the finale. Okay. Yes. Yep, that's my number four. My number four. Close every door to me. Keep those I love from me. (laughs) Nate is miming a violin. Close every door from Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat. I heard this first in high school. This was one of the shows that my high school did mm, as a mm-hmm. musical. What did, what did you play? I was Jacob. <laughs> I was the father. <laughs> I was Jacob. The guy who sung this song, if he's out there, his name is John Capusta. Mm-hmm. He, was, he was a great performer, a great singer. But he sung this song, first time I was ever exposed to it. He sung really well. And uh, I don't know, something about the haunting melodies. We're going to take this really clip. Good. We're going to add him on Twitter, and we're going to find him. I have, We're going to find old Capusta. I have the VHS of this musical, my high school performance. Did you have a big gray beard for Jacob? Yes, I did. Yes. Which I think I've worn a beard two out of my four musicals in high school uh, because then I was also the bishop in Les Mis my oh. junior year, so I had to wear a beard. And you now wear a beard day to day. That's right. That is turning face. gray slowly. <laughs> So, foreshadowing. So anyway, Close Every Door is my number four. Thank you, Capusta. You're number four. Or you're number three. Three. The sun will come out tomorrow. 
but you gotta hang on till tomorrow. I thought you were gonna sing The Hills Are Alive with the sound of music. <laughs> That's my <laughs> one of my least favorite songs in the sound oh! of music. Okay, we're gonna get Sing. some feedback. We're gonna get some feedback. So that tomorrow was, from Annie. Yes, that's a great song. Well done. That's it. When I think of the day, <laughs> now I see. I know it's good because yeah. I sang a piece of it, and now I want to have. I want to you hear, want to hear it immediately. Hear it yeah. All right, my number three. Some enchanted evening, you may see a stranger. You may see a stranger across a crowded room. Can we all just pause, take a moment, and everyone just think to yourself, I didn't know Stephen could sing like that. What a crooner. Thank you. What a crooner. Some enchanted evening. You can sing, Stephen. Thank you. Thank you. It's- you don't often sing, <laughs> but when you do... I and heads turn. Thank you. Thank you. Some enchanted evening from South Pacific. I just love the song and and to be emotional for a moment. Ooh. For some reason, when my daughter was a baby, when she would cry, I always wanted to be the dad that sung to mm-hmm. her. And for some reason, that's the song that kept coming to my mind. So I sang that to her when she was a baby. And I don't know, it feels like a perfect song for a father to sing to her daughter. Some enchanted evening. Nate is staring through my soul <laughs> as we speak. This is such a deep podcast because we get it's to deep, look in each deep. other's eyes. Musicals, man. Musicals. All right. You're number two. Number two. <clears throat> I dreamed a dream in times gone by when hope was high and life worth living. Mm. Sing it, Fontaine. I dreamed of love. <laughs> no, I'm done. I dreamed a dream. Or is it just a dream? I dreamed a dream is the title of the song. Again from Les Mis. It's two Les Mis songs. This yeah. is what I didn't want to run into. Yeah, it? this is... I'm actually not a huge fan, don't hit me, of Les Mis as a, as a collection. It's a little bit too miserable for me. But those nice. two songs feel like what a musical, a big number ensemble yes. versus... A small, uh, a a growing emotional yeah. ballad. I hear you. Uh, it's a great song. I prefer on my own a little more than than I dreamed a dream. I don't know why. I just, I just but mm-hmm. the other. So the other Good thing too. too is with my list. I just saw Les Mis live, and I could have just done all Les Mis songs because sure. once you hear them, like you just. Want but you to have no them. Les Mis songs on there. No, no, I do. Okay. I do. okay. No. So okay. anyway, okay. all right. That's a, it's a great. That's a great song. Was it was it too high? Was it too high at number two? I don't think so. You t- you tell me if I ranked it too high. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think you can rank a Les Mis song too high. Ooh, okay. I think that's that's fair to say. This next song, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. Give it to me. Something has changed within me. Something is not the same. I'm through with playing by the rules of someone else's game. This is not a male song. <laughs> Do you know what song I'm singing? Uh, yes, I think so. I think it's Defying Gravity from That's, Wicked. <laughs> that is correct. It is. I just did a terrible rendition of that song. But my number two is Defying Gravity from the show Wicked. It's uh, Dina Menzel. 
Frozen and many other things, but I uh, I don't know something about that song. I could listen to it mm. several several times over and over. I, I enjoy mm. it. All right, Define Gravity. Good pick. What's your? This is your number one. Number one. <laughs> Nate Nate is standing up at the mic. <laughs> he is preparing himself. Tell them how I'm defying gravity. It's the same song as Stephen just sang to me. Well, I rope a doped you. <laughs> is that your number one? Divine Gravity is my number oh one my song. Oh my word, look at that. I was like, oh, should I act like I know this? Because I'm about to do it. You Define did a very good gravity. job fooling me. <laughs> Define Gravity is the number one song for me. Wow. It's a number two for you. That's great. Wow. This, I saw it. I have seen it. I've seen Wicked twice. Okay. Once, man, this is going to sound bougie now. Once in (laughs) Chicago and once in London. Oh, my. The performance in London was spectacular. I saw it with my wife there, and the, the final... Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Ah. yes. While she's lifted up in the sky yeah. at the end of Act One, was incredible. My wife turned to me and and was basically like, "What a great show!" Thinking it's over. It's over. <laughs> act no, one. that's just Act One. Defying yeah. Gravity is it's amazing, superb. I have never seen this show from the front. I saw this show from the from pit, below from the pit my when i was in college one of my teachers was in the pit and actually got me and my wife into observe it from there so i experienced the where show at from the pit front in the strata center at Tampa. nice yeah and so i i experienced it from the pit which is not ideal when yeah you're trying what, to actually taking the show do you have a vision uh, do you have any visual of the stage some <laughs> <laughs> some and going back to the soundtrack like i i honestly couldn't recall the show a ton because i didn't see it really right but i experienced it then and then i listened to the soundtrack over and over and i yeah i just love defying gravity so i should probably see it one day wicked show. is a great, a great yeah show. it's just a great show well my number one watch them run amok catch them if they fall never know your luck when there's a free for all here a little nip they're a little tuck most of them are goner so you won't miss much one day to a new beginning. Will I ever meet again? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Anyway, uh, one day so more. I should have come in there. One day more is my is my number one. It's my number one. Slim is. It's right. It's right. It is. It's good. <laughs> a song. A song that I could listen on repeat and still love it just as much as One Day More. Again, I did this in high school, and performing this song with a stage full of my friends and we actually did it pretty well. So I've been told it was just so memorable and powerful and yeah, I just love the song one day more. <laughs> I'm filled with warm fuzzies right now. <laughs> Listeners tell us what song did we forget <laughs> in this top five musical songs? There's a lot of musicals, musicals I don't remember and haven't seen. Have you seen the Scarlet Pimpernel? No. Did that in college, played in the pit for Read that. the book. Did you? Oh, it was a book. Also, we have never seen cats, nor do we know anything about cats. So if you're about to tweet something about cats. Or Saigon. I've never seen Miss Saigon. We could go on and on on listening. Hello, Dolly. Oklahoma, where the wind Uh, blows. I've seen Oklahoma a lot, so. No favorites from there? 
uh, Surrey with a fringe on the top. Chicks and ducks and geese better scurry when I take you out in Surrey. In the still of the night, I'll held you tight. Cause I love. That was good. <laughs> okay.